Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. NFL fans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Round. I am your host, Jeff Hartman, and joining me as always is Coach KT Smith. Coach, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, Jeff. Another exciting week in the books. And the uh, I, I, what happened last week? Last week, the, the unbeatens fell away. And this year, the and, yep. or this week, the winless uh, have now you know been wiped clean. So that we got everybody's one game. Yes, and that's that's a good thing, I think. And I asked Rob Statsquare on our Monday show, does it do the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions pop champagne like the 72 Dolphins do when a team finally <laughs> wins a game? I don't probably not. But I titled this for this podcast for this reason, like how little we know after week eight. You know, right when you think you have things figured out in the NFL, right when you think you've got a good beat on these teams, what's the first talking point tonight? It's the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers. They look like a juggernaut. They look like no one could come close to touching them. Now, all of a sudden, they limp into their bye week after losing. Was it three? Is it three in a row or two in a row? I can't. I've it, lost track. Yeah, it's two in a row, but three out of four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a really rough stretch. And what is wrong, in your opinion, coach, with the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because just on our show last week, we were saying we think that there's only a couple of elite teams we, we named San Francisco, Kansas City, and Philly as what we thought that were the three elite teams. Well, two yeah. of them lost less uh, on Sunday. And as far as the 49ers go, I mean, obviously the injuries have been an issue for them. They were playing for a little bit without Christian McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel is still dinged up. I think the biggest problem that they have right now is that teams' defenses are challenging Brock Purdy to answer against the blitz, and he's really struggling to do it. Uh, that's a that's an issue that befuddles a lot of young quarterbacks is is how do you handle the blitz and when San Francisco's got all their weapons there they've got some built-in solutions for their young quarterbacks they've they've got the ability to throw hot or get guys in space and you, you know you're a little hesitant to come after 
Purdy, or at least teams have been because of the embarrassment of riches the Niners have at the skill positions. But with some of those guys banged up, uh, I think teams have, have found a formula. And I think the most telling thing about Purdy is you watch his eyes. Like when they, you get those good camera angles, when they zoom in pre-snap, his eyes are all over the place. He doesn't know exactly what he's looking at. He doesn't know where stuff is coming from. And that's a bad sign for a young quarterback. Indecision will get you killed in the NFL. So go back to the very first loss for the San Francisco 49ers at Cleveland. Really weird ending to the game when you talk about some questionable calls, missed field goal by Jake Moody. But nonetheless, I said, Coach, is this a blueprint for the rest of the league on how to beat the 49ers? And you were like, well, Jim Schwartz is good. And you gave the very political answer. And I get that. You're, you're toeing the company line. I get it. But now that we've seen what we've seen following that game, is there a blueprint out there now? I think for, for the moment, until Brock Purdy proves that he can solve these pressure schemes, and I, I haven't been able to really take a deep dive on, on what exactly teams are doing. How Are they, are they confusing him with uh, blitzes combined with coverage disguise? Are they just trying to heat him up immediately at the snap? I'm not sure exactly what the strategy has been. But that's the thing in the NFL is like you, you got to prove you can, st- you can stop a thing or beat a thing. Or in the copycat league that it is, everybody will do it to you. And the challenge now going forward for them will be to figure out answers. And this is a great time for their buy because it gives them time to work on that. It's, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago. It's, it seems like just like literally like weeks ago when it felt like the 49ers were just so loaded at the, uh, at the quarterback position that they didn't even know what to do with all their guys. They had Jimmy Garoppolo. They had Trey Lance. They had Purdy. Uh, and they unloaded two of those guys. And, and now the third one seems to be raising some questions about, you know, is he, is he a franchise quarterback or, or is he the, the guy who was taken last in the draft? And fascinating dilemma the 49ers have right now. Yeah, and talk about teams, a, a narrative surrounding a team that has changed dramatically in the last three weeks, which is the next talking point here on the whip round, which is which team has done the most to change the narrative about their season the past few weeks. We could go in a bunch of different directions with this. I think this is a really difficult question to answer. When you think about, you already mentioned it, Kansas City falls flat on their face in Denver. No one saw that coming. They haven't lost to the Broncos since 2015, and yet they lose that game. You talk about Miami. They win in week eight, but what is the narrative surrounding Miami? They beat crappy teams or mediocre to bad teams, but they struggle against the really good teams. I don't know, Coach. Where do you lean when you think about a team that's done the most to change their narrative? Yeah, you first of all, you brought up that statistic about the Chiefs and the Broncos. How how do you sweep a team in your division for like seven seasons in a row? That is remarkable. I didn't know that was a stat until I read it earlier today. That's remarkable. Peyton Um, Manning was the quarterback the last time the Broncos (laughs) beat the Chiefs. That's that's amazing because Denver hasn't been terrible in all that time, which makes it even more amazing. But so so Denver is a candidate here. It wasn't that long ago when they were the laughing stock of the league after giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. And everybody said, oh, it's a train wreck. And they're going to start. They're going to fire their D.C. And and yet they've managed really kind of by taking the ball away from Russell Wilson and leaning in hard on their run game to cobble together a couple of, of, of pretty good wins. But the team that I'll, I'll go with here is the Jets. I think that the Jets 
that that Robert Sala and his staff have done a remarkable job to get that team to four and three. Aaron Rodgers, four plays into the season, tears the Achilles. Zach Wilson's got to come in. He looks horrendous. And everybody right there says the Jets are done. And Jets fans, you know, are punching themselves in the face for like the 50th season in a row. And and yet now they're four and three and they're back in the playoff hunt. And it feels as though like that division is a little bit more vulnerable than it seemed. Buffalo has not been as good as everybody thought. And you mentioned the narrative on Miami. So the Jets are right back in the middle of it all. And that's a remarkable job really by the head coach there to get his guys to continue to believe when everybody wrote them off as being dead. What do you think? It's a good choice. It's a good choice. I'm going to go with a team that I've actually been very critical of on this show the past few weeks, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, yeah, they had the hiccup, and they lost to the Jets, and that was a bad loss, and I'm sure that woke up a lot of people in terms of inside that organization. But while all these other teams are losing these games, Buffalo's losing these weird games. They're finding ways to lose. Kansas City loses to Denver. San Francisco's losing games. It's the Philadelphia Eagles that have probably been the most consistent team in the league. They've only lost that one game. They're finding ways to win tough divisional games. A.J. Brown is a stud of studs. Like, that guy is unbelievable. I'm going to say that the narrative that I had around Philadelphia was, I don't know if I'm bought into them yet based on the changing of the coordinators because they got new jobs elsewhere, based on the chain turnover on the roster. And they're making their roster better when they traded for uh, Bayard, the safety out of Tennessee. They they unload uh, Terrell Edmonds, Steeler fans know well, and they improve their secondary. And I'm sure they're going to be buy they're going to be buyers again before the deadline today at four o'clock. So, coach, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Philadelphia. And this is more personal for me because I was one that questioned the Philadelphia Eagles, and to me, they've answered the bell. And so, in terms of changing my narrative. I'm going to go with Philly because that was a, I thought that was a really big win for them. Washington, although they put up some points, they find a way to win. Yeah. You know, the Eagles are doing a great job of uh, compensating for some of their weaknesses. The coordinators ha- uh, have been an issue to a degree. I won't say an issue, but there's been change there and it just hasn't been a seamless transition. And they've had some issues in the secondary and they gave up you know, 400 passing yards on Sunday to, to Washington and they needed to outscore the, uh, the commanders and they did. So like you said, they're figuring it out almost like as they go, but they continue to find a way. And that's what the really, really good teams do. Nobody in the NFL is good enough to win by you know 20 points every week. You're going to be in tough battles most weeks and the really good teams figure out ways to win the close ones. And you're right. Philly's doing that. And yeah, I was talking with the CEO of fans for sports network this morning, uh, Ken Wazewski, and he's an Eagles Homer. fan. He goes, Oh man. He's like, <laughs> The Eagles, I don't know. And I was like, hey, it's better to win these games than the alternative. And he goes, well, you're right there. So. <laughs> 100%. Ken, Ken I'll, I will say this about Ken. He is not a doom and gloom Eagles fan. Uh, there are many, many in my area. Yeah, like your boy it, Pez. It doesn't matter. Your boy Pez. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter that they're six and one. They will find, they will, they will snatch misery from the, from the jaws of, uh, of enjoyment. Victory. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go to the Miami Dolphins. We spoke about them already and how they seem to always beat the mediocre to bad teams and yet really struggle with those tough opponents. Tyreek Hill became the fastest player in league history to go over 1,000 receiving yards in a season. And A.J. Brown, the freak of all freaks that I just mentioned for the Philadelphia Eagles, became the first player in league history to have 125 yards or more receiving in six straight games. 
That is absurd. If you could build an offense around one of these players, which would it be? Coach, you go first. Mm. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on on this question. And first of all, it is remarkable that an NFL player in today's age, with as good as the defensive coordinators are, can can amass 125-plus receiving yards in six straight weeks. Washington stubbornly refused to double-team him on Sunday and he just, he, he was almost insulted by it. You know, you could see his his body language is like, really, you're going to, you're just going to cover me with that guy. Um, I, you know, I, as great as Hill is, as great as Hill is, I think he benefits tremendously from the system that he's in. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit old school at heart when it comes to, to offense. I really do believe that at the end of the day, you're going to need to be able to play power football when it matters most to win in the playoffs. You got to be able to run the ball. And what Miami does is remarkable. And it's so much fun to watch. I just don't believe right now that it will hold up over the course of a season, especially against the elite teams. So give me AJ Brown because of his physicality. uh, The fact that it will always, as long as he's, you know, as long as he's healthy, it will always require more than one guy to account for him. And he will just be a really, really difficult guy to take out of a game. And he and he can play in any circumstance. He can play in hot weather. He can play in cold weather. He can play when it's windy. He just, I mean, guys who are physical like that seem to transcend some of the circumstances that can limit smaller, speedier guys. So I would take Brown. Who would you take? So let me first say, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I mean, these guys are elite level players. They are the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. But I'll quote one Thomas Cruz from (laughs) the poet Thomas Cruz. I've got a need for speed. And in today's NFL, in Tyreek Hill, what he can do with the football in his hands at any time, you need a spark, put him back in punt return. He gets the ball in his hands, he could be gone. Jet sweep, doesn't matter. He could be gone. You want to double him? Like you mentioned, A.J. Brown kind of took offense to the fact that the commanders didn't double him. Yeah, he can run through all of it. So while I totally understand your reasoning behind A.J. Brown, give me Tyreek Hill. The guy is the human joystick for a reason. He is so ridiculously fast. All you need is a quarterback to be able to put it out there far enough for him to run underneath it, and he will make defenders look silly. The speed of the game is only going to ramp up. You see the linemen are getting faster. You see the the everything. Everyone is getting faster and leaner, and, and it's just the game is changing so much. I feel like the Tyree kill is the guy that I would want to build an offense around because like I said, you cannot, you cannot teach that type of speed. That is insane. So I'm going to go with Tyree kill. There's no doubt that that's the direction that the game is headed. Let me, let me, (laughs) let me ask you a a slightly different question. Which one of those guys would you rather try to tackle in the open field? Tyree kill or AJ Brown? Would you rather have Tyree kill embarrass you with his quickness or AJ Brown potentially put you in the hospital by running over you? I, I would always rather whiff than get absolutely <laughs> abused. <laughs> Smart choice. Let me di- choice. let me dive at his ankles and he runs around me and hey, at least I attempted it. In other words, like it's I remember in my sixth grade year doing the Oklahoma drill and getting absolutely trucked by a bigger kid than me. And it was just the most demoralizing thing ever. So I will <laughs> never ever in my life say that I would take uh an AJ Brown trucking me over Tyreek Hill making me look foolish and you know that hey. We need a. You can pick up your jock strap at the counter when you're done. What about you? Which you're you were a safety, a linebacker, hybrid type guy in college. What would yeah. you rather have? 
I mean, I, I have been trucked by, <laughs> by some people in my day and uh, it's not enjoyable, not, not even a little bit. So um, it, the, the, the speed part though, is a helpless feeling. And that's, I think one of the, one of the reasons why Miami, when they start putting it on teams can, can really run away from people. They, they demoralize their opponents because the speed makes you feel helpless against the bigger teams you still feel as though, you know, you're taught to be physical and you still feel as though you can you can tackle them. And it, and it just becomes a matter of will. You know, do you, do you want to continue to tackle those big guys? But but at least you feel like you can make contact. And if you make contact, you can get them on the ground. But with those speed guys and you're just whiffing, you know, you just want to go home. You just want to be like, I'm not even going to try anymore. I don't care what sport you're playing. If it's a team sport and a sport where you're going one on one, whether it's lacrosse, whether it's basketball, doesn't matter. You've all, everyone's had those plays where you did everything that you could. Like you didn't mess up. You didn't trip. You didn't stumble. You didn't have the wrong footing. You did everything that you could and it still wasn't good enough. That's what it feels like when you go up against those speedsters, you know, and, the, and even AJ Brown go back to last year when Pittsburgh went to Philly, remember him laughing in the face of defenders as they were on the ground. They, they were in good position. They just could not stop him. They just couldn't stop him. Hey, while we're on this topic of wide receivers, because these guys are putting up some incredible numbers, where does, and this is a Homer question for two Steeler fans, Antonio Brown in his prime, where does he rank for you in terms of the best wide receivers that maybe you've seen do it in, in this in this era? We'll put it that way. Uh, in, in probably, in his prime, in the, maybe the 20 to 15 to 20 to 18 range. Yeah. I think he was unquestionably the best receiver in the league. And the combination of, of he and Ben Roethlisberger together was just so magical that it's hard to duplicate. Like as good as, as good as Tyreek Hill is, I mean, I think, I think Tua is a, is a very good quarterback, but clearly he's not Ben Roethlisberger. And I think Jalen Hurts is a, is a great quarterback, but in terms of his, understanding of defenses and and he I mean he's probably like at a master's level of playing quarterback but 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 when Ben or Antonio Brown was in his prime I mean Ben Roethlisberger was at the doctorate level you know so yeah I mean it'll be really those two guys just were really on the same level at the same time and it's hard to separate them for me so I mean I would have to really think about some other names who may have compared to Antonio Brown but as far as being able to just beat a, a, a defense with pretty much whatever they threw at you, those two guys were remarkable for sure. I have some of the best I've ever seen. And I'm, I know I'm a Homer. I openly admit that, but still like people that don't know, like young kids that only know Antonio Brown for being this psychopath on social media and stuff. Hmm. He was a hell of a receiver before that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's go to backup quarterbacks. Who doesn't like talking about backup quarterbacks? I mean, my gosh, coach, you listed them out this past Sunday. We had Brett Rippon. Tommy DeVito, who the hell is that? I don't even know. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Heineke, Mitchell Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, Tyson Bajant, Will Levis, Zach Wilson, and P.J. Walker all played due to injuries to the players ahead of them on the initial uh, depth chart. Incompetence from the team's respective starters does also come into play here as well. Was there anything that you like or takeaways from any of those players? Well, first of all, this is going to segue into a conversation about officiating, and you're going to be so oh. excited because I know you love talking about <laughs> officiating. <laughs> was there anything to be excited? I mean, Will Levis had a great debut, right? He, had, he yeah. threw four touchdown passes in his in his uh, starting debut. 
I you can't get overly excited about that because there have been I don't want to say plenty of quarterbacks, but he's not the first quarterback to to have a, a great first game and then the defense coordinators get a hold of some film and they really start to go to work on you and and you quickly see them kind of regress. But so you gotta you gotta wait and see what happens with Levis. He'll 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 play the Steelers on Thursday night and and that's a short turnaround and he won't have a lot of time to prepare. So uh so the you know the, the jury's out on him. All those other guys are and this is really sort of my segue into officiating. All of those other guys are the NFL's worst nightmare because the NFL does not want those guys playing quarterback and the injuries, whether those injuries are just sort of freaky, unfortunate things like the Kirk Cousins injury in Minnesota or the product of like legit hits, the Kenny Pickett injury. That's roughing the passer. That was a roughing the passer. I don't think there's any question about it. And the NFL has got to be kicking itself when 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 they've gone to great lengths to try to protect quarterbacks to make the rules almost impossible on defenders and yet you still have this many starters out so i don't know how much further can they go as far as the rules go i i, I don't think that they can uh, i just feel as though with this anymore. many backups playing the league is really kicking itself it's not about the rule anymore. It's about the implementation of the rule. And I'm not going to get started on this rant because you don't want me to get started on this rant. Well, let's go through this list. So Brett Rippon, who is he playing for? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Uh, I just drew a blank what on what it. What team is that? Uh, I have. Uh, that's not Indy, co- is it? Is he's it Indy? No, he's no, not in Indy. Is he? Is he? Is he Minnesota's backup? No, I, don't I don't even know. Who the know. hell's Tommy DeVito? Are you making up? Tommy DeVito is the Giants' backup. He he's, he is the backup. The backup to Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones feels like he should be the backup to somebody. Okay. Tommy DeVito is his backup. All right. So Tyrod Taylor, we're talking ribs. Tyler Henneke is in Atlanta. Was he inserted? Just Desmond Ritter was awful, yeah. and so they put yeah, him in they, the game. Okay, so yep, that's they pulled Ritter. Yep. Tyson um, Bajan is in there because Justin Fields with his thumb. Will Levis is in there because of Ryan Tannehill's high ankle sprain. Zach Wilson, we know, is an injury to Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tendon. P.J. Walker is in there on Cleveland because of Deshaun Watson's shoulder. So the weird thing, and this is, yeah, the NFL wants its marquee players in there. You can't do anything about half of the injuries I just named. Like You can't help that Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers were planting their back foot in their Achilles tendon just snaps. It just that you can't do anything about it. You could put in every rule in the book and it's not going to protect the quarterback in all circumstances. I think the bigger question here is coach. And maybe this is where we should go with this backup quarterback talk is 
how bad is the quarterback play in the league that all these starting quarterbacks are going down? And I'm saying, who the hell is this guy? Cause I don't even know his name. And does that, does that say more to college football now than it does with these quarterbacks coming in that are not pro ready and are not built for NFL systems? That, that That's to me a really honest to goodness question, because when I look at these players, yeah, there are some career backups like Tyrod Taylor, Taylor Henneke, Mitch Trubisky now. But other than that, like, these young guys are, they're just not it. It's very hit or miss. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'll, I'll give you three, three quick answers. One, Yes, college systems are are partly responsible. The air raid stuff is all the rage in in college, and so, you know there's a lot of colleges that run mirrored systems where guys are 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 running the same route concepts on both sides of the field, and they're only taught to read half the field, and then they get to the NFL and get a lot of coordinators running full field re- read concepts. So so they're not really taught to read. Uh, the game the way that they're taught to in the NFL. Then the second factor is a lot of these guys get up to the NFL and they're thrown in immediately, right? You think about you think about Mitch Trubisky, who had a miserable rookie season with the Bears, thrown into the starting lineup when he clearly wasn't prepared. You think about uh, like a Malik Willis in Tennessee, even some of the Zach Wilson with the Jets. I mean, these guys were not ready to play, and they weren't given the luxury of of being able to sit around for a few years because of the pressure that's on them. Uh, to insert these young quarterbacks into the lineup quickly, get an evaluation and make a decision as to whether or not you have to move on. But the third thing is this, something I was talking about on my call sheet podcast last week is that uh, the defensive coordinators are, so, are I think, I think in the never ending kind of cat and mouse game between DCs and OCs, they've made the last big move. And, and that big move has just been coverage disguise. The coverage disguises in the league right now are remarkable. It, it's almost impossible. Like if you, if you pause your television when they show a play pre-snap and you just look at the defense and you say to yourself, all right, what coverage are they in? It's almost impossible to tell because when the moment that ball is snapped, the coverage is going to change. They're, yeah. they're, they're going from two to three and three to two and playing split field coverages. And it's just, you got to be so good in your film studies as a quarterback to be able to get an idea about what a defense is doing. And we're seeing Kenny Pickett struggle with that in Pittsburgh. He just is, his eyes are all over the place. The Steelers had a play on Sunday where they had Deontay Johnson open at the goal line for a touchdown. Pickett missed him. And the problem was his pre-snap diagnosis was wrong. He looked to the three receiver side first and got fooled. He thought he had two on three to the three receiver side. He ended up having four on three. The post-snap rotation was so good that he his eyes went into the coverage. And by the time he came back to the other side, it was too late. So I think the DCs right now are ahead of the OCs. And until the offense coordinators figure out how to get their quarterbacks trained right, you're going to see a lot of bad quarterback play. Yeah, maybe that's a talking point outside of the officiating, which, I'm, again, I'm not going to get into that. But uh, maybe this is the biggest talking point is that you talk about points and scoring being down. Maybe the quarterback play is just really bad. And maybe that's because these injuries to these marquee players are having these young guys like a Tyler Bajan from – from Shepherd University, which God, I love my alma mater. I met my wife there, but still, like a, a, a Division Two quarterback starting on Sunday Night Football against the Chargers. What is that? Like that doesn't make sense to me, but still, I get it. And uh, so that'll be something to watch and gauge as we go throughout the uh, season. Let's go to the last talking point here. There are some big time matchups coming up on Tap in Week Nine. 
I know I'm excited for a lot of these games with the Steelers playing on Thursday night, not one of the marquee matchups, by the way, uh, with them playing on Thursday night. I'm excited to get to watch some of these games in their entirety. In your opinion, coach, you said Philly, Dallas, Miami, Kansas City, which is going to be a 9-9-30 start because it's in Frankfurt, Germany, and then Buffalo, Cincinnati on Sunday night. Which game of those three is the most intriguing to you? So, all right. So quick, quick comment about the Miami game in, in Germany. I was in Germany this summer. We were on, mm-hmm. we went to Italy and Germany and uh, I was, I, I had watched the two games from Germany last year and I was blown away by the German fans. And we found ourselves talking to our tour guide uh, about, you know, American football in Germany and she was saying that it's one of the most exciting things to the to the German fans because of the hitting. They love the hitting, and and then they and then they combine the enthusiasm of the soccer crowds with the singing and and the dancing and the bands and all that stuff. So a marquee game like Miami Kansas City in that environment is going to be must must watch television. I th- I think that game will be phenomenal from an environmental standpoint. Uh, on the field, Philly Dallas is going to be great. That's going to be a yeah. great game because two division rivals that can't stand each other. Uh, the Eagles being pre- you know, right now maybe the best team in the league. The Cowboys coming off just an absolute trouncing of the Rams, and uh, that game I think the players will be hyped up for. So those are the two I'm I'm really looking forward to. The Kansas City game with Patrick Mahomes not feeling well, had like a stomach bug. You had to wonder if they got to travel overseas. Like, how's that going to impact them? That's intriguing. But uh, this Buffalo Cincinnati game on Sunday night, you talk about playoff implications when you talk about the head to head matchup in between these two AFC front runners. Uh, you're talking about these matchups, especially in AFC. The NFC East is going to take care of itself with Philly and Dallas, but these AFC matchups. The head-to-head tiebreakers are massive. I mean, you're talking about Miami and Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati. Those are four teams that you're thinking are going to be vying for very interesting seedings in the AFC. So the Buffalo team, very inconsistent. Cincinnati comes off their bye, does their job, actually looks really good against San Francisco. I'm excited for that game as much as I am the other two, but I'm really excited for all three, to be honest with you. I don't think there's any way that I could pick, you know, it's going to be great in terms of a viewing standpoint. You got Miami, Kansas city early on Sunday. Then you have Philly, Dallas. I think that's a four twenty-five window game. And then you've got Buffalo and Cincinnati and Sunday night. It's going to be a hell of a day of football. If you like to just sit there and veg out. So, Oh yeah. The NFL, like, man, they, they knocked it out of the park with their, with their <laughs> scheduling on that one for sure. Absolutely. Let's finish this up. Like we always do with a player profile. You want to talk about Roquan Smith. Go ahead. <laughs> You don't want to weigh in on this one. This is not, you know, you're a Roquan, on, you're a Maryland guy. This is the Ravens, man. Let's go. Rokon Smith is entering like Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs territory with me and the Ravens. So no, I don't want to weigh in on Roquan Smith, but you do. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying not to let our Steeler bias uh, influence <laughs> the podcast here, and we're supposed to be talking about the entire league. And I read a stat the other day that really kind of blew me away. That so Roquan Smith has now played. 17 games with the Ravens. That's a full season's worth of games. Baltimore's gone 12 and five over that stretch. But the thing that's most remarkable about it is that when they acquired Roquan Smith, the Ravens were 27th in DVOA on on defense, which I think is one of the most useful statistics, which is 
uh, you know, DVOA measures the uh, expected results of um, of plays or games or situations based upon opponent and circumstances, et cetera. In essence, it, it's measuring how well you should be doing when you factor in you know, your opponents and the, the circumstances of the play as opposed to just sort of raw yardage and things like that, which can be very misleading. Anyway, when the Ravens acquired Rokon Smith, they were 27th in the NFL in DVOA. And in the 17 games since, they are first. That is a remarkable jump, man. I mean, when you talk about the impact of a single player on a team, for the Ravens to sort of have made that jump just uh, is a is a tribute to uh, not only the way in which he has been as an on-field player. I mean, he's a sideline-to-sideline linebacker, and you pair him with Patrick Queen, and it's like, oh, my gosh. That was my first thought when the Ravens acquired him. I was just like, oh, God, those two together are going to haunt the Steelers. But his leadership has been phenomenal as well. So Baltimore, I think, is 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 scary good, uh, and I think that they've they've got a chance to make a lot of noise. And I think that he was kind of the piece that they needed to to get him into that range. You know, the funny thing is, is I agree with everything you said. He is a hell of a player. He was worth the trade that they made and everything they they gave up to get him when he was unhappy in Chicago. Smart man wanted out of there before it got really really bad. Nonetheless, Baltimore, yes, yeah, scary good team. You know it comes down to it's a player that's not named Roquan Smith. It comes down to Lamar Jackson's health. Can he stay healthy? Because you've seen even the greatest defenses, you're not going to win much when you're trotting out backup backup quarterback. Oh, gosh, what's his name? I can't even think of it. He played the Steelers like two, two times last year, I think. Uh, I'll think of it. Anyways, he's not, he's not Lamar Jackson. We'll put it that way. But Roquan Smith is, I feel like he's the last of a dying breed. Do you agree with that? kind of like that downhill physical. He kind of reminds me of Ray Lewis, to be honest, when I watch him play. You think that that's kind of a dying breed, that inside linebacker type? That's a good question. Uh, I think that that Roquan Smith is athletic enough to remain a three-down backer, but the the true downhill thumpers, like the Alandon Roberts-style backer in Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah, they're absolutely – I don't know if they're a dying breed. I think there will always be a role for them. But but they're they're limited now, and the game has exposed them. But you never know, man. It could change back, right? Offenses stretched everything out and made guys like that, uh, you know, uh, guys that you got, you got to get a guy like that off the field because of the, the speed, the horizontal speed. And then defenses started putting uh, nickel nickel defenders on the field, and and now a lot of offenses are going back to two tight end formations. So you know, maybe it'll contract again and. And we'll see uh, yeah. in three or four years down the road, those linebackers come back in vogue. Well, and that's one of the reasons why Roquan Smith is so good is he can do both. Yep. He can come downhill. He can make the tackles. He can cover. He's actually a very good coverage linebacker. And, you know, I think back to the Steelers, they thought they had that guy in Ryan Shazier before his injury in 2017, haven't been able to fill that spot since. But I think that's kind of where they're going. Because when you think about Landon Roberts, that style of downhill thumper, not great in coverage, they're a liability and as a potential mismatch for the opposition. So they get stuck on the field, and what do they do? Isolate that guy, and we're going to throw it right to him. I'll never forget for the rest of my life trying to watch John Bostic cover Keenan Allen against the Chargers, and I wanted to throw up. I wanted to puke or just throw something against the wall because it's a, he's a liability. That's what happens with some of these teams. But like you said, that's good offensive coaching. That's good awareness on their part. Roquan Smith, you got to be a matchup league, man. And if you get a guy 
who who is versatile enough to be able to employ in a bunch of different situations and you don't have to sub them out. You're right. That is a, a, a hugely valuable piece. And if you get multiple guys like that, then, you know, you're building yourself something special. All right. We've talked too positively about the Ravens. So why don't we end the show? <laughs> All right, coach. Uh, hey, tell everyone what's coming up on the call sheet podcast and where they can find you on social media. Yeah. Uh, at KT Smith, FFSN uh, on the call sheet. Boy, I feel terrible, man. Last, last week we had Dave, Dave Stefano of, of First and Skull, which is still one of my favorite names for a, a platform there on. And he was just like raving about the Vikings. And he was so excited about them. And then Kirk Cousins blows his Achilles out. So maybe I shouldn't have any. Maybe I'll have a Ravens guest on this yes, weekend. Yes, please it. do. <laughs> no, man, we're, 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 talking about the, we're talking about the unpredictable nature of, of this year and trying to, to, to uh, figure out why. What are some of the reasons why the league has been so unpredictable this year? Looking at why teams are so inconsistent on a week-to-week basis and trying to make a little bit of sense of what we're seeing. It's, it's really a unique season, and it's sort of shaping up to be a fascinating one because uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I think that makes intriguing football. Yeah. Where, where can they find you on social media? At KT Smith FFSN on uh, X or Twitter X. or whatever it is. Whatever. I can't call it X. It. Hey, if you run into your buddy Pez, could you, the dude's picks this week were just oof, rough. I'm telling you, man, rough. The, that actually ties into my conversation, you know, right? Like, <laughs> uh, how would you like to try to be picking these games right now in, in, in the league, the way that the, the nature of the league right now? Well, I'm going to ask Pez about that. So if you want to listen to that, go find his own. He has his own flipping podcast feed, Pez's Picks. Just search Pez's Picks wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be talking to Pez. We'll, we'll have that on Thursday morning. So make sure you check that out. You can find me and my Steelers work as well as Kevin's work on the Steel Curtain Network. You can find us at steelcurtainnetwork.com as well as wherever you get your podcast by searching Steelers or Steel Curtain Network. You'll hear my Let's Ride podcast is Here We Go Steelers show with Brian Davis. And you can find me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Coach, as always, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.